1: Hi, and welcome to the natural birth podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world, sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as The Spiritual Midwife, and I am the natural birth podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator and I assist women in optimizing their chances of having an empowering and natural birth experience and a nourishing and healing postpartum. I offer holistic birth preparation and postpartum online courses worldwide. For the conscious mama wanting to prepare emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually for her birth and for her postpartum. And if you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, then visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com. If you had a natural and empowering birth experience that you would like to share with the world, then you can email me at midwife at gmail.com. And maybe your story will be featured on the Natural Birth podcast. Now let's dive into today's episode. Today on the Natural Birth podcast, we have Sarah. Sarah is a mom of three from New Zealand. She's a birth and postpartum doula, coach, and ceremonialist. Sarah's own births were a catalyst for her own healing and self-growth and put her on the path of supporting other women, other mothers, in remembering their sacredness, intuition, and strength. In today's episode, we get to hear about her three births in Australia. Her first ended up being a medical event against her wishes, which guided her to employ an independent midwife when she fell pregnant again. And by now, if you listened to last Sunday's episode, you know that midwife, Libby Lamb, was Sarah's midwife. So for her two next births, she had Libby and she had two natural and empowering births. Curious about Sarah? Find her on Insta as Sarah Holroyd Hill. Welcome Sarah to the Natural Birth Podcast. How are you today? I'm so good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. It's such a pleasure having you all the way over from New Zealand. I know. (laughs) i love new zealand and i love speaking to a woman from new zealand i love how new zealand has a strong kind of home birthing vibe mm. and midwifery led care vibe and it's really good to be a midwife over in new zealand some of the best countries to actually be a midwife so like being a midwife i know that and uh, you know i'm sometimes a little bit jealous of how <coughs> amazingly supported midwives are over there and how they can instantly go out in home birthing practice and independent practice and they you know they're um publicly funded and it's just it's epic it's best it's the best
0: yeah I, I remember when we had our first child in Australia everyone I met was like why are you having your baby here and not in New Zealand yeah. <laughs> I, I live in Australia <laughs> so I haven't got to birth here but um I did talk when I when I was pregnant with my last child we thought we'd move home and birth here and I remember ringing a few midwives and I said, so what happens if it's breached? Cause that was one of the big things with my midwives in Australia. They're like, Nope, sorry. I'm not comfortable with it. And she said, Oh, if it's breached, we'll probably just get a third midwife and it's totally fine. You can still birth at home. I was like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, so, so obviously important. a lot more care and a lot more of um, keeping those skills intact for the midwives to feel confident as well, because they're still practicing it. So.
1: And obviously yeah. seeing birth is <clears> a <throat> normal mm-hmm. thing and, yeah. and, Breach as a variation of normal I mean I've had a few uh, women yeah. come on and talk about their breech births and I mean yeah it's something we really need to reclaim in most of the world and mm. that's amazing just going oh yeah yeah we'll just get another yeah i to support it so different yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so ridiculous. different to the messaging
0: back or home back then when I was oh. in Australia yeah yeah totally
1: oh well well so you obviously have had your babies in australia but you've had it in an area where we both used to live which is the bar and shower. and obviously there you can get both the publicly funded home birth um if you wanted that or birth center birth mm-hmm. or you can go with an independent midwife and i know you yep. have done it all yes <laughs> brilliant <laughs> It's yes. Awesome. <laughs> well, with no further ado then, let's dive on in. Tell us about your first pregnancy, your awesome. first birth, and take it from there.
0: So my first birth, my my dream was to have a home birth. Um, but they didn't have this the uh publicly funded system back then and we couldn't afford to pay for a private one. So I planned to birth at the birthing center, um, where you have the continuous care with your same midwife and um it was very homely back then. So it was the old hospital and it had a garden outside the window and it just felt like not intimidating to me. Yeah. Um, and I really liked my midwife and they all felt really safe um, and it's had this beautiful pregnancy. And towards the end, my whole family have really fun blood pressure that just jumps up kind of more like an anxiety thing, you know, like, so they put the the, the yeah. chick thing on me and I would jump up and I could go do a meditation and it would all go back down to calm um but that started because in the uh when you're in the system they have these rules and these um what do you call it like guidelines and framework you want to fit within for your birth um Mm -hmm. and so I started getting the oh if your blood pressure doesn't settle you might have to go to Tweed Heads, which is a big hospital um just up the coast from us and that set like total terror into me and Mm -hmm. felt awful like I I don't go to hospitals I'm not I don't really even go to doctors um I'm very into natural health and so the hospital just felt intimidating (laughs) um and I remember towards the end of my pregnancy they sent me up there for a check because we'd gone past the due date um and within these hospital programs even though it feels like you're in a more um natural care based care um they still yeah have to follow those rules of the two weeks over and you couldn't birth at this birthing center anymore and we we're getting close and they sent me up to tweed hospital to get a check and I remember walking in and just bursting to tears mm. and just like being inconsolable because it felt so sterile and so um just just different people running in and out and just so ungrounding um and so I was really desperate to stay not to not be there um but then we went past the due date and they pretty much kind of like wash their hands of you like sorry we can't um have you birthing here anymore um and then I started to get a lot of pressure for an induction and I had trained as a doula already uh so I kind of knew about that slippery slope you know like once you start Mm -hmm. how you know it kind of starts to spiral and once you start an induction it's very common to get more interventions um and so I very much didn't want that, but I felt so intimidated, um, not in a sense that I was scared for my own well-being or my baby's well-being, but that the system would pick on me and demonize me if I didn't do what they said. So I negotiated and negotiated and um, bought as much time as I could and did everything, <laughs> like like walking and sex and hot food. and just I tried to do everything to like, how can I get this baby to come? Um, but she didn't want to and she does she still has her own timelines you know mm-hmm. that's that's just her um her birth was her so um we went in for an induction and they uh of course I have a brain blocker that they put the um gel up by my cervix to help rip yeah. my cervix um and then just my husband the had to go and, yeah that's the one thank you <clears throat> my husband had to go home the night so I was in hospital and nothing really happened the first night and then the next day we tried to negotiate we negotiated to leave again <laughs> and go for a walk and uh get out in nature And we went home I had to sleep at home and um went for a big the, the lighthouse walk in Byron Bay because that's what all the midwives said go do the lighthouse walk um and then still nothing really happened so I had another night with the prostaglandin and that night around midnight I started to get just uh mild like, tightenings and enough that I couldn't sleep um, so my husband, I kind of knew it was just the beginning, and I just left him to sleep. He was staying at a friend's house down the road, and I just remember being in the shower um, by myself on one of those big balls, and just just riding through the contractions and the tightenings and the sensations, and um, being very much by myself. But like no one checked on me, which was really bizarre because I feel like they were constantly checking on me. But that night, I don't think anyone came in, <laughs> so I was kind of in this in my own space. And in the morning, um, my husband came in about six o'clock and they took me into the birthing room and um, said, right, so we're going to pop, you know, pop your waters, burst your waters, not any informed, you know, now I have gone on to learn so much more. I wasn't told anything what that meant, Um, you know, no, do you want us to do that? It was sort of like, right, we're going to do this. The risks and and there's benefits. Nothing. (laughs) Wasn't told anything at all. No, no. Um, so they did that <laughs> and, um, and I just labored all day. And my midwife from Mullum actually came in cause she knew how scared I was. So mm-hmm. She came in and was my birth support for the whole day, which was mm-hmm. so incredible. Um, and I, again, I wasn't very keen on internal checks or anything, but you kind of feel this very big pressure. It's really hard to advocate for yourself when you're in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we were younger at that point, just, you know, now you know, two baths on, three baths on, I probably would be able to more, but you don't want to. Um, mm-hmm. So I had been four centimeters when they had um, burst my waters. And then I think at about eight o'clock at night, I started to feel this energy shift in the room happen. And I didn't know what was happening, but I knew something was happening and people were getting a bit edgy and funny. And they started to really pressure me into getting um and to help the contractions start going more because they're like, you're not progressing as much as we want. Um, you know, the clock was ticking on their timeline. Yeah. And um, and so, and I had just heard horror stories about that. And I was like, well, if, I, if I'm if i going to have that, then I want to have some pain relief as well. Um, and they just kept really pressuring. And it was just, I, just, I didn't know it was happening. Um, and so they started the Sintocin And then the next thing I know, I had the anesthetist come in and say to me, oh, we're just waiting to hear if you're going to have a C-section because we'll give you um, a spinal block instead if you're going to have a C-section. And I was like, "What are you talking about? I don't need a C-section. I'm totally fine." Um, and he kind of looked a bit bewildered and, like, you know, left me to it. And then the uh, there had been a duty change, which is what the uh, energy I was picking up in the room was. But they they knew this new doctor was coming on, and he is known for pushing C-sections on women and, yeah, being very dominating of everything. And so he walked into the room, didn't say hello, didn't introduce himself, like nothing. Just walked in and said right. So we're going to take you for a C-section. And I just remember just like snapping into this, like totally out of the birth mode and totally into like, why what's the medical reason? And he said, Oh, it's too late at night to be having some And you know, we we need to get this baby out. And I was like, well, that's not a medical reason. I'm not going to have a C-section. And then he got his ego really involved and he started targeting my husband. And he was saying, you're going to have a dead baby and a dead wife. You need to get this. The baby needs to get out. Oh, and like nice. full on like yeah scare tactics to try and get my husband and I remember the nurse um, like slamming her um paperwork on the thing and trying to get the doctor to come out and having a row with him outside and the doctor who'd actually been caring for me she was behind him shaking her head saying you don't need it and I knew I didn't need it oh um, my god and I remember yeah and it was crazy it was crazy it was full felt like such an egoic attack at us um, and I remember just having to really center on what I knew was true and mm. I knew I was fine. I knew my baby was fine. And so I refused it. And so then he mm. said, right, well then you can stop the um, and you can just wait until the morning and then your doctor will come on duty and they can let you have it if they want to. So he stopped that. I had a epidural cause I was, they like to have that sleep over the night. Um, but they did my epidural wrong. So I had contractions down one side of my body, but was kind of paralyzed on the bed. And so that for me was probably the, the hardest part of it all was this night of being in pain and not being able to move away from it. Um, and the next morning, another doctor came on <laughs> and said, yes, start this and because they hadn't progressed. I wasn't feeling safe. I wasn't in any mm. other state of mind or being to safely progress, you know, like a, none of the environment was there to make me, my body to feel safe enough to birth this baby. Um, and so they started the syntocin, and they also, I think really upped the um, whatever was going into my, <laughs> my drugs and I just passed out and slept for four hours and then woke up and um, I was ready to push. Cause they tell you, cause you can't, you can't, you lost so much sensation when you have the epidural. Um, but the one like absolute beautiful benefit of having the epidural done slightly off center is that I could feel my contractions coming. So I was able to control Mm -hmm. my pushing. So I've heard so many stories of friends um, who have had to have, you know, um, suction or forceps to help their baby out because they actually can't engage it because they've just lost so much sensation. So that ended up being the the biggest gift that, that really hard night was such a gift Mm -hmm. because that meant I could really engage and feel. And um, I pushed her out in 40 minutes and she was a big, nearly 10 pound baby. Mm -hmm. And, she was just so beautifully healthy and I was so healthy and it just, I was so happy that I had followed what I knew was right. And so, um, yeah, like the, the whole labor was pretty, it was that shadow awakening of really having to claim my power as a woman and as a mother and, and claim, you know, like big responsibility for my own health and my child's health and trust that that is, that was the right path for us. Um, and, yeah, and then I did, I had a, I had a big postpartum hemorrhage after she came out, but I honestly, I had no idea it was a big deal. I was just in this sort of loved up butterball holding her and breastfeeding her. And I did not think there was much drama going on. I actually didn't find out that there was drama going on until we booked in for a home birth with my next baby. And she was asking me about the hemorrhage and I was like, oh, I don't remember it being a big deal. I know I nearly needed a transfusion, but I don't think it was, it was fine. And my husband was like, there are people running in and it was blood dripping off the table. And I was like, really? I don't, I don't remember any of this. I was just with my baby in this absolute oh, like bubble. Beautiful. So yeah, it was really really amazing
1: how amazing that you had that experience during a hemorrhage and you know in saying that you know your hemorrhage probably was a cause of that really prolonged labor and stopping and starting and that kind of then pushing your body somewhere where your body actually didn't want to go yeah and uh, and just having that really lengthy um lengthy labor Yeah. yeah i very
0: much i mean after every birth i have bled um a fair amount so it's obviously just what my body also does. Because um, yeah. I've seen birth. I thought I've seen birth for the water. like completely clear. And I was like, where's the blood? <laughs> like, so yeah. My body obviously does bleed a bit, but not that much naturally. Um, and I, a hundred percent, that is completely my, um, my truth of it is that it was just so heavily intervened with and prolonged and forced um, that, yeah, it was my body's reaction. And yeah. Yeah. I fully, I fully believe that. And and that, that was the truth I carried into my next birth to have a birth at home after having a postpartum hemorrhage. Cause they obviously, um, that's one of the things the midwives wanted to know about going into a home birth. Um, they wanted to know how bad it was it and what happened. And I just knew that that wasn't my reality. I wasn't going to yeah. need that. Um, and I didn't. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and yeah. it's it's interesting that you say that and important because i haven't actually mentioned that before on the podcast that yeah every woman is so different some barely bleed mm-hmm. at all yeah a- it's incredible animal. like clear water yeah if there's nothing in water it. i know and and some women will bleed a bit more mm-hmm. but they can hold that and it's also yeah. so dependent on how how healthy you are if you are slightly anemic if you have low iron mm-hmm. you know these things really um matter when you have a baby that can make you bleed but it can also be that if you do if you just naturally would be a woman who might have you know bigger a bigger bleed naturally after having a baby then if you just have really good iron stores and yeah. serotonin and you're really you know fully nourished in your body then your body can hold that can can lose that and mm. we, we, you know our bodies are meant to not meant to but you know we can lose blood at birth like we compensate for that don't we so pregnant women have much more blood volume for yeah. that reason so it, to bleed some is okay it's more that h- how well prepared are you for that yeah and so i mean this leads perfectly into talking about like really ladies out there like look into your eye and don't let your eye get too low you know really eat nourishing foods that support iron stores and, and work yeah, on that so pregnancy too
0: yeah yeah we, I was really aware of that going into the next pregnancy of making sure my iron um, was good and then with my third pregnancy I actually had an iron infusion quite close to the birth um, because it had dropped off quite a bit and from mm. research I had learned that that's quite important uh, to help stop the hemorrhaging and the bleeding and, and just to, that your body has the reserves if you do bleed more yeah. to recover after. So, um,
1: exactly.
0: yeah, that was definitely something we went and, and eating lots of um, bone broths and really nourishing mm. food in the lead up and in the postpartum just to rebuild my blood. But yeah. I don't remember being that affected by it after, but maybe it's just the haze of all of motherhood that you're just yeah. so tired and you're in this other world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just never knew it was that serious until, you know, the next birth.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, but yes, you re- definitely the iron. Do you remember what your midwife said? Or maybe, you know, because you've read your notes, how much was your first lead? Do you know?
0: Oh, is it like 12? Tw- oh, no, I can't remember. It was just, just, just under the threshold of having to get a, a transfusion. Would it be around 12 something? 12. Oh, it's actually different in different hospitals. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't. I have read the notes, but I can't. Yeah. I'm really bad. At, I'm much yeah. <laughs> sort of like
1: a bigger feel of things. I'm it's really more bad at,
0: like details like that. Yeah. Like, I don't know.
1: <laughs> Again, it's. I would say, you know, generally, like, you know, that it's more about your levels, your. Um, actual hemoglobin you know your yeah. iron store levels after that they would check and say if you needed a transfusion more so than how mm-hmm. much you bled so again how yeah. well does your body compensate it comes back to that right how well you know, did you come into birth with your iron stores? Mm. If you were really low, then you might have dropped really low after you've bled a lot. Yes. But if you came in really full and rich and juicy <laughs> yeah. with blood and rich blood and all that, then if you do have, a, you know, a little bigger bleed, maybe you're fine, see? So yes. that's again, so it would be more of the blood test after that would tell them if they would suggest And it's interesting because I can't remember getting
0: any blood tests after at all, but maybe they just did it. I don't remember. It probably probably (laughs) did. When you're in a hospital, it feels Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, everyone's coming. (laughs) Yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah. Okay. So um how did you feel about this birth though afterwards? I um I felt really empowered
0: that I took my power in that moment, but I also felt quite traumatized from that night in the hotel bed a hotel bed (laughs) on the the (laughs) hospital bed I was not in a hotel (laughs) hospital bed um yeah just that I I would have a few flashbacks of feeling that kind of uh being trapped feeling um and I definitely felt like it was stolen from me because I felt like there was a whole lot of policies in place that just dictated what happened and um Yeah. I I don't want that for any woman. And I did not want that for myself ever again, but I Mm. felt really empowered that I had been able to stand up and know my own truth. And Mm. it was such a lesson in really trusting that truth. Just, yeah, just trust. It was such a big lesson of trust and trusting myself and that Mm. I've taken that into my mothering journey. It's been such a gift to, to learn that at that moment. And also a bit of a shattering. I was never super into doctors and stuff, but it was a very big shattering of um, ever being into them, I guess, <laughs> like, um, mm. which was really quite powerful going into motherhood because I really owned, k- keep my children healthy and not looking outside myself for someone else to tell me all the time, um, is my baby okay? Is this okay? Cause I had lost all trust in them. So, and I had gained all trust in myself. And so for me, that has just been the biggest gift because I can feel my baby. I know if they're okay or they're not okay. Um, and I, yeah, so it was just such a gift, that huge claiming of of taking just this big ownership for our health in us and trusting it. Yeah. So that was my biggest, my biggest takeaway from it. Yeah. So Beautiful.
1: there's gifts and the hard ones too, you know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. There is rhyme and reason to everything and there's wisdom in Fully. all. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's why I think it's so important to talk about the wisdom from them, you know, because sometimes yeah. in society when someone's had a traumatic birth, um, they can get stuck in the trauma of that and repeat mm. the trauma, and yeah. and instead of coming to, of course, feeling through that, but then coming out at the end and going, so what did that shift in me? What was the lesson? Mm. How am I different as a woman, as a mother, as you know, all of this? And and I love that that you could share that. Mm. Yeah, because it's it's profound that portal of birth and motherhood. It's it's
0: oh, it's transformative. Yeah. and in every way and so yes it's amazing when you can find those those places where you did grow your power or maybe where you learned that you should have and and stepping mm. into that in a different way um Yeah, it's powerful. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm -hmm. If you if you potentially you know if you are a woman who had a traumatic birth, but you didn't have your experience where you could actually stand up for yourself and really fully claim your power, you know, then maybe you did that afterwards and you went on a journey of healing that Mm -hmm. and realizing how that may be something that has happened throughout your life or your lineage, your mama, your grandma, whatever it is, you know, that you then can work with. Because I I truly believe that it's not just us that heals. When we heal, we heal our lineage and, and oh yeah. Mm. definitely I completely agree with that Mm. yeah
0: so there's there's healing in in every way Mm. I believe yeah Mm -hmm.
1: yeah Yeah. beautiful all right so after this birth then what happened Mm -hmm. how many years did you go before you felt pregnant again and how was that experience
0: so I was uh my daughter would have been nearly maybe she was five and a half when my son was born so close to five when I got Mm. pregnant um so we had a big gap uh, which was pretty awesome. <laughs> like, I just really enjoy her. Mm. Um, and then with Thomas, I actually initially booked back in cause I really loved my midwife from the birth center. And I felt like that birth was just such a, um, like everything that happened was just so out there. I was like, that won't happen again. Like for that to play out again, that would be pretty far out. Um, so I booked in with her and I, I didn't see her, just because we knew each other. And I was like, I'm fine. I don't need checks. I'm good. And they got to around probably 20 something weeks. And I started to get anxiety about, about having to transfer to hospital get and that happening. And I realized I just wasn't feeling quite comfortable. And then I had a few little angels that just came in. I had one friend who is a doula and um, she said to me, oh, you don't really sound that happy with your birth plan. And I thought, I'm not. <laughs> And there's all these little, and she kind of just like planted this little seed. And then I had another friend who shared her, she'd had quite a hard um, first birth and then went on to have a second birth and had her child at the birth. Cause I was also, um, that was one of my things like, how am I going to keep this other baby safe? And we didn't have family in the country. Um, so how am I going to from a hospital? How's my daughter going to be? Where's she going to be um, and be keeping her safe. So I had that anxiety in my head and this friend shared about her birth where her son was there and, and it's this amazing healing that she had in, in, in having her home birth. And I had a bit of a block about the money as well. And she said, oh, lots of them have payment plans. And so it was like, oh, okay. And so I ended up booking in quite late um, with Libby, who's a, I know you know, um, mm-hmm. and she's an incredible private midwife. So I realized that for me to feel safe and you know, to, to be able to birth safely and naturally and for your body to... Do what it needs to do, you need to feel safe and loved in birth. Like that is the ultimate. If you feel safe, your body can release and relax. So I realized I wasn't ever going to feel safe back in any from a hospital system. Um, and so I booked Libby, and she was amazing. And just the difference of having your home birth midwife come to your house for the checkups, like not having to drive everywhere when you're pregnant and tired and it's hot, and you know, all of that was just absolutely incredible. My husband had a few um. Fears because of how the birth had unfolded. And I feel like this happens for so many women that I work with, where we get put into a system and the system almost, well, I think the system quite often creates the issues. And mm. then the hot system saves us. And we think, oh, but I would have been in so much trouble if I hadn't been there. And mm-hmm. so I did a lot of work with my husband to realize that the reason our birth went that way was because of the place we were and that mm. I had full trust and faith in my body and that I could birth naturally um and so once and then once he met Libby he was fully on board he was pretty open to it with the first as well but there was that kind of fear and I knew it was important for us both to feel safe I mean most important that I felt safe but Mm. hugely important that he also wasn't going to be um
1: having an unsafe energy yeah Yeah. in the bathroom
0: yeah um and so yeah I had I was I was pretty sick actually and tired with Thomas in that pregnancy so and I was pregnant over summer in Australia and I don't cope with the heat so I spent most of the summer sitting on the sofa under the aircon. So it wasn't a very active um, pregnancy as far as like I'd been teaching yoga and prenatal yoga and everything with Briar, my first. Um, And with my second, I was very still, but I was just constantly visualizing this birth. And I just kept, I could just feel myself breathing him out every time. I just had this very clear feeling of breathing him out. And so I guess in his birth, it was a lot of visualization work I was doing in my preparation and a lot of letting go of uh, fear and letting go of stories. Um, And I I still had a slight fear that my birth would be stolen from me. So I was scared that Libby would get past the due date and then she would say, oh, sorry, I can't do it anymore or something would happen. Um, And then, you know, with the way the birth climate is for home birth midwives in Australia and that I'd had a big hemorrhage with my first baby, she asked me to go see an obstetrician. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. And she said, he's really lovely. And he was. I wanted to like hug him. When I mean, yeah. <laughs> it was incredible. Um, and he pretty much said to me, look, like, your birth, I'm sure your part your bleed happened because of all the interventions. Yes. And we went through what's the plan if you do bleed. And we decided that I would you know, obviously breastfeed, which helps to stop the bleeding. Yes. Um, lots of skin on skin contact. I would eat some of the placenta if yep. i had to before having i did not want to have the syntocin and the, the um injection to help yeah. the placenta come i wanted to do it all naturally yeah. um so we had this this plan like basically an oxytocin plan like how can we get my oxytocin doing what it needs to do um mm. so that i can stop the bleeding and i love he, this doctor yeah oh hey honestly and then he also said to me mm. he said i'm happy to support Libby and you you know i work with women i let them go let them go. I support women to go, you know, four or five weeks past their due date. It's completely safe and okay if we're keeping an eye on you. And he told me the stats, and I'm so bad at details, but he said, you know, they say that the chance of stillbirth doubles. Mm-hmm. And he said it goes. Uh, do you know the stat? Like it's like what? It's like from one in so many thousand to two in so many thousand.
1: Yeah, or three. Yeah, it's yeah, it's literally. Yeah, it's, it's ministering. Like, yeah, it's it's super. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Totally. The way you
0: word it, like it doubles, <laughs> sounds so scary. But then when you're told the actual stat, it's like one to two that's out of thousands yeah
1: um so
0: he was amazing so he just fully took these little fares that were still sitting there so that actually I had had resistance and really only went to keep Libby safe because I thought I'm mm-hmm. I want to keep this I want to make her feel safe as well that we've done everything yeah. so everything's okay and ticked off but he actually just removed that last little fare I had been carrying um and that was such a gift because when I went into labor with Thomas um it was on a Sunday night and I started um, having really intense tightening and it was so different to Briar. And my stomach was like a vice and I couldn't lie down. I could barely sit down. Um, I just, it was just the most intense, tense tightening. Um, and I remember trying to lie down and then I, just, I couldn't even get up. I'd have to get my husband to pull me up. <laughs> I had this whole night where Um, I was just in this intense tightening and I ended up in the birth pool watching TV because everyone was sleeping. And I was like, this is really weird. I'm not going into that birth space in my brain. Like I'm very like logical. And because I'd had to really stay in that space in the hospital, I thought maybe that's just how I birth. Like I just stay up my head a bit. And we called Libby in the morning. We kept our daughter home. And Libby turned up and everything stopped. Like it just Mm -hmm. completely stopped. And I was like, I truly was having contractions like all night. And it just didn't. She said, that's okay. I'll go for a walk on the beach. You guys just relax. I'll come back and you know. And she went off and it just still stopped. And I was like, okay, well, maybe just take my daughter to school and we'll chill out. And then um I was in there, I was on the Swiss ball. And you know, do I need to keep this labor going or should I rest? I was in that stage of like, I mean, should I be keeping active? And um, I said, can you, I I actually asked if she could do a check to see how dilated I was. And I remember her saying to me, why do you want the check? What are you going to get from this? I love her. I love that. (laughs) She is amazing. Yeah, exactly. Like, hang on. Do we really want it? She's incredible. And I said, I just need to know if I should rest. Like, am I, am I close? Should I be working on Mm. this or should I just rest? And so she checked and I think I was like one centimeter and
1: Mm. just hardly
0: any, you know, like, and she said, just go rest. And so she went home. And all that week, a whole week, nothing else happened. I was sweating like crazy though. And there was no other contractions. There was nothing, but I just, the whole week, I just kept affirming that my body's doing all the work so that when I go into labor, it's just going to be ready and easeful and just be ready to open up. And um, and so I had this beautiful week with my husband, my daughter was at school and I went for beach walks and just kind of relaxed. And had I not had that, Releasing that fear of my birth getting stolen and having to stick to a timeline, I would have been so stressed all week, but because I had put myself in a situation where I was just safe and I could allow my body to unfold, Mm. I just, I just relaxed into it and embraced Mm. this, this unfolding. And I had never heard of someone doing that afterwards. I had people share with me, oh my goodness, my body did that too. And it was obviously like Brooks and Hicks or something, but Mm. I had also never experienced that with Briar. So there's all these new things um that were happening but it was just such a gift to be able to relax into it and just keep keep trusting and affirming that my body knew what it was doing
1: and you and then, probably maybe needed that week to yeah on some level heal from the previous to yeah. really fully actually trust and let go you needed that processing time yeah pro- I'm sure
0: yeah and just yeah just the integration between the two it was it was it was just like magic little week and and also mm. like a I don't know, like this precious week where we really knew it was going to come soon. So we were really enjoying just being the three of us and having that time before the new little bubble arrived. Um, So it was, yeah, you know, it's like this little sacred bubble We kind of entered and we slowed right down and kind of went in and kind of started into that birth space, but earlier than we would have. Um, and it was so beautiful. And my daughter, she had said to me, the baby's going to come on the full moon. And I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. And then the next Sunday it was the full moon. And I know, it's so incredible. These children are so wise. Um, And I remember being in bed and we're just chatting and at quarter past 12, I felt this like pop. (laughs) And it was my waters. And I was like, oh my goodness, my body's actually doing it. And I realized there was still a slight fear that maybe my body didn't know how to do it. And in that moment, it was just like, it does, (laughs) like it's doing it. And um, I had one of my really dear friends was going to come and take photos of the birth. And so I was texting her and I had another friend lined up just in case Brian needed extra support. Um, Mm -hmm. But I really didn't have a big support team happening for this birth. It was Libby and then back up my second midwife and us um, and my friend. And so I was texting her because I was too excited. I was like, I should sleep, but I was so way too excited.
1: Do you want a natural birth, Mama? Then a the natural birth course might be for you. Do you see birth as a rite of passage and an important and transformational event that you'd like to feel fully empowered in meeting? Are you, like many other women, realizing that it is time to take back your power as a birthing woman in the birth space and birth your baby your way? Would you like to feel calm and confident as you birth your baby with all the tools you need in order to meet the labor sensations naturally and be ready body, mind, and soul? Do you deeply down know that your body was made to birth your baby and that you have all the inherent power and inner wisdom to do so? Are you looking for holistic midwifery wisdom and guidance to assist you and give you all the evidence-based information you need in order to feel fully sovereign in your decision making around your pregnancy and upcoming birth? Then The Natural Birth Course is for you. Find out more at thenaturalbirthcourse.com
0: Started just like getting really gentle tightenings, kind of like period crampy feeling. Um, and I just left my husband sleeping because I was like, oh, this could go free, who knows how long this might be. I don't know. Um and yeah, just getting these like little gentle tightenings. And that went from that to like pretty intense, really fast, like crazy fast. <laughs> and I was like, Babe, I think we should maybe ring Libby. And he was like, Oh. Oh, it's not that intense yet and I was like no it really is because <laughs> <laughs> I think he couldn't compute that we could go from you know like nothing to like whoa the baby's coming that fast and we rang up Libby and Chris was so blase about it like oh yeah and then she was like oh, okay I'll just you know give me a call a but later and then she heard one of my contractions and she said actually I'm going to come now <laughs> and she was like go start filling the pool up and um, so Chris was doing that, filling the pool and putting candles on because we'd set up a birth pool out in our, um, in our lounge. Mm. He was doing that and I was in the shower. Um, water was just my, like water at any point in my life is like, I love It, it makes me feel really safe and grounded. So I was in the shower quite a lot. And I was just dying to get into the pool, like let me in the pool. Um, and then they made it, I remember them making it way too hot and I had to wait for them to cool it down just being like, no, <laughs> I just want to be in that water. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I think it was literally, oh, he was born, I'm getting confused between two births. It was very fast though. Um, But she literally turned up and I was in the pool and I was just, completely so she's no she said hop in the pool she turned up and kind of said hi and I was like can I get in can I please get in the pool um and she said yeah no of course you can get in because I still had no concept as well I was like this could go for hours you know I had I was ready for it to be who knows what um and I remember being in the pool and just being so in my zone I just had my husband sitting holding my hand and that's it and I was just making a lot of sound and just really deep 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 and just like just in this zen point and then at at one point it kind of shifted and I started getting these thoughts coming into my head of what the heck am I doing here it's a 45 minute to get to the you know 45 minutes to get to a hospital from me here like this could be going for hours and I was sitting like in the pool and kind of in my head doing these bargains like is it worse to get in the car now and drive to the hospital where I could get drugs Or just to stay in the pool. And I was like, it's way worse to get in the car. You just got to stay here. (laughs) And I was obviously in transition, (laughs) but didn't realize. Yeah. But I didn't verbalize anything because I was still so centered. And I just had this knowing that if I let anything out of my mouth, I'm going to fall apart. Yes. So they didn't realize at all. I don't think that I was that close. And they sent my friend a text message, I think about 17 minutes before Thomas was born saying, yeah, come over in about half an hour. Like she's getting close. (laughs) I mean, um, I noticed that I just naturally changed the sound that I was making. So I had been making quite a like, Ooh, and then it changed to more like, like that kind of deeper gruntier. And I could feel him moving down and with every sound like this, and I just didn't stop. So between the contractions, I kept making that sound because I could just feel him gently moving and moving and moving down. And I still kind of didn't in my brain realize what was happening, but I could feel him coming and I still think I had all these stories. It's going to be forever. And, you know, (laughs) and then, um, there was two or three contractions. And then suddenly his head just went like pop, like really suddenly. And then his body was like out. And I remember being like, oh my God, (laughs) like freaking out. And Libby was like, it's okay. He's, you've done it. He's here. (laughs) Like kind of passing him back (laughs) to my legs. And I was just like, whoa, how did I do that? Like just me in the pool and I just did it like it was the most incredible thing and yeah I just it was when it like the head came at pop that I just got such a shock because he was there and uh, I just I just remember my daughter had actually come out at some point she was there as well holding my hand and like stroking my face and so it was literally just us no one else arrived um and then I was in the pool and just you know that complete high of of birthing naturally in your home and just like oh my goodness um and then we had talked to Libby about the bleeding and we'd said look if the pool starts to be looking like it's too full I'll ask you to hop out just so I can track it because it's harder in the water and
1: Mm. I remember
0: looking in the water and it was like very red, and saying do you want me to hop out and she's yeah okay yeah let's just help you out and then um she helped me out and we'd set up big kind of um an old soft foamy mattresses and stuff and Oh, just being in this completely blissed out bubble. And I have a really clear memory of my friend coming through the door with a camera and trying to sneak in and then looking up and going, oh my God, he's here. Yeah. Um, so it was so beautiful. Um, and then with his placenta, so with, uh, I remember just being like, oh, you, I have to do something else. Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> like, it's not just going to come yeah. out. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just wanted it done at that point because I was, yeah, I was like, I just want to be here with my baby. And I was surprised that the placenta is actually a bit painful for me to birth. It was nothing like birth, but I just wanted it to kind of just like blip out, you know. But you yeah, actually have to, I had to get up on my knees and push to help it come out. It was kind of and I think it was like Libby said to me, it's probably just sitting there. And yeah. that's the, the kind of the pain or the pressure you're feeling. Yeah. Um so but that that for me was a bit of like really <laughs> I really don't want to um and then I was really helping on my knees and you know it just it just took like one really good push which I kind mm. of at that point didn't feel like I had anymore I was like mm. I've done enough <laughs> yeah um but yeah it was it was the most incredible healing and then we just snuggled on the sofa and just you know just soaked in this beautiful being that had joined our family and then Went and tucked ourselves into bed and all slept together. And it was just the most divine healing birth. Just amazing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it
1: really mm-hmm. sounds like that. Beautiful.
0: Yeah. And the bleeding
1: was fine. Bleeding was fine. I bled a
0: lot. Um, again, but not, you know, like I can't, it was a fair amount, like Libby said, it's fine, but it was your your body just obviously does it. It was nothing yeah. compared to the hospital bleed. Yeah. Um, but I did, like, I bled through the the foam mattress we were sitting on. Mm. Um, my husband was hosing us off at the front of the house. <laughs> Blood running down the <laughs> the driveway. Um, but it stopped. It stopped. We just did all the mm. go- all the good, yummy things to get my body to do what it naturally needed to do, and it and it did, you know. So just lots of skin on skin and breastfeeding, and it stopped, and I was completely fine with that. Mm. So my body obviously does just. It bleeds a little bit at that point and
1: yeah.
0: yeah 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 that we were totally
1: healthy and amazing yeah oh um. beautiful Sarah <laughs> okay so now the third birth the third birth so
0: with Ruby um I Thomas gosh he was probably one and a half when I got pregnant so a much smaller gap and um Thomas had not been a good sleeper so I was already pretty, um, tired Mm. (laughs) and depleted going into the pregnancy. So her pregnancy was really hard for me. I was really sick, pretty much the whole pregnancy, just like low grade sick, but, you know, not like vomiting and stuff, but Mm. miserable, like couldn't cope with very much. Um, and we booked Libby again because she was just my magic, my magic woman. Mm. And this time having two children and having Thomas so much younger, um, and being a doula and wanting to experience a doula, I, mm. um, I booked a doula as well. And she was just absolutely incredible. Cause I remember with, um, with Thomas, my second, having all these lists of things like different oils, my husband could use if I needed some support and different things. And the, like all these organizational things that, so he could just go look and organizing it. I remember just passing all of that to my doula. And I just like, she was like, what do you need me to look after? I can call everyone, give me all the numbers for your kids. Like. She just took it all off my hands and it was the Mm. most incredible thing just to hand it over to her. Um, And I also was really with Ruby because I had got so depleted with Thomas. I knew it was so important to have support in my postpartum. Mm. Uh, So I booked a postpartum Ayurvedic doula. Mm. So she was going to, she did, came in and fed me and massaged me and gave me herbal baths for two Mm. weeks, I know like every day for two weeks. And then she came every few days for the next two weeks. Right. Um, and then I also had a friend. So so Ruby's birth for me, Thomas's birth for me was trusting the natural process of our bodies, like trusting my body. Mm. And then Ruby's birth was trusting my community. And I really called in the community for her. And I had another dear friend, um, Anna, as well, because I kept having these visions of someone drumming when I was birthing. And, um, I said to her and she's like, Oh, I'll come. She's a doula. She trains doulas as well, actually. And she's this amazing mm. wise healer. Mm. And so she said, I'll come and drum for your birth. So <laughs> I, had two, I had two doulas mm. <laughs> and my daughter is just like the, she's like a little doula as well. She was amazing. So I just had so much support.
1: Wow. It was
0: amazing. It felt like a party <laughs> like when <laughs> everyone turned up. Um, but with Ruby, um, with her I, I got a bit more I, like more Braxton Hicks and more times of thinking
1: oh my goodness is she going to come early because I hadn't really mm. experienced that um yeah well that's something that can happen when you have more babies you're a multi that you can have Braxton Hicks I have mamas in my mama's group asked that all the time going you know is it normal like I'm 18 weeks and I'm having yeah you know it's like yes yeah, Braxton Hicks and it's because yeah you, your body is like ready like you're it's ready you're, I know it's what it's yeah. doing. <laughs> you know it's just it's, on. yeah it's just like already doing its thing yeah. you know yeah it is so yeah you so can that was next for a long time
0: yeah years. so that was totally new for me I, my mm-hmm. husband we had just moved house when I was probably seven months pregnant and he went away and he was out of reception for like four nights I think and I was getting them so badly. I remember actually ringing up a few because all my friends turn their phones off at nighttime. Yeah. And I rang up <laughs> my friends like, can you just leave your phones on because like, I feel like something's going to happen. But it was just my body just doing all that prep more, I guess. Um, and so with Ruby, I and so I had never lost my mucus plug either. I had never seen it come out. Um, and with Ruby, I um had my mucus come like, plug come out. So I, had kind of warning that it was coming. All of my children came past their due date, so. They all um, were at least a week, like at least 41 plus Mm. whatever it was. Um, So with Ruby, probably two or three days before the mucus plug came out and I was like, oh, it's kind of happening. (laughs) Something's happening. Um, And then the day on a Friday morning, I was starting to get more like the tightenings were getting more consistent. And so um, I remember my husband took our youngest out because he was still at home with me full time and um i'm going to bar and, and doing a few things like i wanted to buy the kit like briar particularly like a little present from the baby and i did a few of those little like last minutey things but i could feel like oh it's building it's going to happen and then that night probably around 10 o'clock it started to really pick up after the kids went to bed um even when i was reading books i was having to stop and pause and i remember talking to my um my daughter and laughing like oh I was reading Thomas the book and I had to keep stopping and I still hadn't fully (laughs) comprehended that that probably meant it was really happening and she was like yeah and she apparently went and texted everyone like I'm pretty sure it's going to be tonight (laughs) to stop when she's reading the good night books but I was still I I never wanted to tell myself what was happening because then you Mm. are so invested in it and when it doesn't happen it's like that it kind of mucks with your head a bit yeah um so yeah, it was, for Ruby, it was like a slow build, which was different, very different to Thomas. Like um, when it actually started, it was a slow build throughout the day of just getting more and more intense. And we got the kids to bed and tried to go to bed. And then I was like, no, nah, I can't go to bed. <laughs> like this is a little bit too intense. Um, and so we called my daughter and she ended up being my main support for the first part of the birth. So she turned up, my friend who was doing fo- photos turned up as well because uh, she had missed the other birth, so she was like, I'm just coming. The first sign, um, so they arrived, and then, um, my other friend who was drumming arrived all around the same time. And I remember having a moment because my birth with Thomas had been so insular and so kind of very uh inwards. I had a moment of like when they all turned up, going, I hope I'm not faking it, <laughs> like, like yes, yeah, so, I know, guess like, that. yeah, oh, all these people have come, and I'm like, is this for real? Is it actually happening? I hope it is. Um, and then pretty soon after that, it was like, definitely like, yeah, it's happening. But when they all turned up, I could still chat and I was still, I'd have to go inwards when I was, um, having the tightenings. And then I was fully like, Hey, and chatting Mm -hmm. and everything between. And then that definitely shifted probably about an hour later. And I was much more inwards, um, And I remember being like just on the um, Swiss ball a lot on the side of the pool. And just, again, I just wanted to go into that inward space. So for me, it's this very coming in when I birth. Um, And at some point someone called Libby and Libby turned up and this birth, I'm pretty sure that she was posterior. It was so intense in my back. I have never experienced something so intense (laughs) Like I was, I was never, I, there's nothing else in life I could imagine pushing through like I did with her birth. Um, the contractions were, I I needed that. I needed that community. It was incredible. I had just called it in and they held me through it so much because with Thomas the whole time I was in and I was just completely in this internal flow. And with Ruby, I remember looking out and just needing those, these amazing women looking back at me and saying, you've got it. You've, you've got it. And I have my friend like looking at her and she was just like, Oh babe, you're doing so well. <laughs> you you're nearly there. I can see I can see, I can see your opening. And I was like, okay, you're okay, great. <laughs> just um really needing that that holding so much. And um I remember just wanting someone to come and save me in her labor. I just wanted someone to mm-hmm. come and like finish it for me because just pushing through felt so immense. And I remember being in the birth pool and I had, I had a few really big, like uh, like big gaps as well between contractions where I went fully away. Like I, I was, my husband was in the pool with me and I just fully went into kind of a dream space for quite a long time. And then I would come back and the contractions would just be just so intense. And in my lower back and all consuming, like, and I was roaring like just with Thomas, it was a very kind of yogic, like, and with Ruby, I was like this wild roaring woman and um, just fierce. It was amazing to embody that because <laughs> it's not something I probably naturally do. Um, but yeah, so she, that it wasn't actually that long. It felt, I felt like the sun was about to come up, but I think it was only like three in the morning. It really wasn't <laughs> about to come up, but that's how it just felt like I went into this completely other space um, and I got to a point in the birth, I think I was ready to push, but I was also ready mentally. Like I was like, it's, I just, I need this done. And, um, the pushing took longer than I expected because my other, it wasn't long, but it took longer than I expected. I think it was actually only 12 minutes from when I started to when she came out, <laughs> but it felt like so long, um, mm-hmm. to me just cause I, it was, yeah, you guys can't, can't describe it. It was just, all consuming yeah. this labor um, and with her again my babies had come out like even briar had come out very fast with the pushing and with ruby i had to really work and i had to really push and um or breathe i was still I was breathing to push when i say push i was using the 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 sound and the mm. breath to to push the energy down versus uh pushing in a more forceful way but mm. i was definitely using my, my force to help. <laughs> um, and then she she came out and she sort of got stuck. And um, I don't know if she was actually stuck or if I just went into, I think I went into a fear because I, I was expecting like the head's out, she's going to come. Yeah. Um. So her head came out and then she didn't come on the next contraction. And the next two contractions were really weak. And I was just expecting like, I've done it. Her head's out. She's here. Yeah. Um, and Libby, ended up just coming in and just giving a little bit of traction to her head. And then Mm. she came with the next contraction. Um, but again, I didn't, I hadn't, I hadn't fully embodied that the baby could stay there for a while and there actually wasn't Mm. anything wrong It's because all my other births had been such a different, Mm. uh, thing to that. So I did go into fear at that point. Um, And so yeah, Libby just just gave this tiny bit of traction to her head and then she she came out and then came up onto me and I had been really wanting to have that really um, conscious, like that slow pulling them out of the water. But in the moment I was like, oh, she's on me, my baby's here. Um, And she didn't breathe straight away. So Libby got the oxygen and I was just like rubbing her and oh my goodness, Libby and my other, everyone in the room was so amazing. They just held the safer space and Libby was just totally calm and just like just talk to her like just squeeze your feet rubber she's just taking a moment to arrive mm. and they got the oxygen and by the time she got the oxygen she had started breathing and she was mm. there it just took her a few moments to fully arrive and kind of probably because I had oh like come on I need this done and I had got quite forceful at the end to to push her out um but that that upset my daughter quite a bit and um I realized later I did a lot of, um, energy work after her birth and I hadn't realized because I had, I'd had felt like she was okay the whole time, but I did a lot of energy work and realized I was actually holding a little bit of fear, which makes sense from that moment of just like, Oh my goodness, is she okay?
1: Mm.
0: Um, and then again, we were in the pool for a while and it, a lot of blood came again. Um, and so we hopped out of the pool and when sat on the side and I birthed her placenta, um, Out of the pool, and again, a really similar feeling of like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) Like, if I birth again, I really want to embrace the placenta birth part. Like, I really (laughs) want to be embodied in that part too, because I'm always like, I've got my baby, leave me alone. Like, I just want to be here with her. Um, and her birth as well. I, um, after the other two, I was, I had a lot of energy and I was ready to go. And I had just taken so much of my life force, her birth, it was just. Oh, such an incredible rite of passage. Mm. Um, But yeah, I, I was so weak. I actually like with the other two, I wanted to shower and I, you know, I had my time with them and then I was like, Oh, I want to just go shower it off and then come back to bed. But I couldn't, I was just in bed and did not have the strength to even get up and go to the bathroom or anything. And I remember trying to after about an hour and I nearly blacked out when I was walking back Mm. to the bathroom and realizing I'm not used to letting help in and realizing it, well, I, I really need to let all these people mother me and just um, how perfect it was that intuitively I'd known I would need that extra support in those days to really build myself back up. Um, and so then I had just this, these this amazing women there all supporting me and then my postpartum daughter, I just want to cry when I see her because she loved me up so much like just the the safety that she held me in and I was so vulnerable and open and she just let me be in this really open vulnerable place um and fed me and nourished me and it was yeah so healing um to to allow people to hold you in that really vulnerable space and to to kind of not have been I was okay but not have felt like I was okay um and just for people to hold me and step up and be like we've got you it's okay um yeah but her birth was I think only three or four hours, but it felt like it was a million years. <laughs> the others didn't feel like that. They were like, "Whoa, they're here. But it was <laughs> like, what? <laughs> um, yeah, it was Ruby's birth.
1: Wow. What mm. a teacher she was. And was she born posterior or did she turn in the end? She
0: turned. She turned. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure she it was. Oh, I, my friend had actually had a posterior birth like three months before so she told me about it and I and then you know in the moment you're not logically thinking that but looking back I was like oh my goodness yeah okay (laughs) she she was it's such a different such a different um contraction and and tightening that you have Mm. what I had yeah
1: yeah yeah Mm. beautiful Mm. oh thank you so much for sharing those first stories Thank you. (laughs) Now, If you've had a first time mama in front of you right now, who's about to have Mm -hmm. her first baby and she really wants to have a natural and empowering Mm -hmm. birth experience, what advice or pearls of wisdom would you give to her?
0: Um, I believe that it is the most important thing is that you feel safe and that you feel loved in your birth space. So you need to create an environment where you're going to feel safe and loved and um, obviously some people feel safer in a hospital environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're choosing that, just to do a lot of research and ask the questions and find out, you know, what are their policies? How often are you going to be checked? What are they going to do? Um, because all those things interrupt you. Uh, if someone comes in and checks your blood pressure every five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever their policy is, it takes you out of your birth zone. So um doing the research if you are gonna choose that. Um, I obviously like. I could not imagine birthing in hospital. For me, home feels so safe and, um, yeah, for, so <laughs> that would be like for me, like home birth feels like you've got, you're setting yourself up um, for the greater, greater possibility of having a beautiful natural birth. But, yeah, feeling safe and loved and don't let anyone into your space that does not make you feel safe and loved. Mm. So don't say yes to your mom or your mother-in-law or your sister or someone coming into your birth space if they're not going to be there and complete service to you and you don't feel like you can open up with them there just say no because this is this is your absolutely sacred rite of passage into motherhood and also for your own health and safety and and birth in the most safe way you need just you just have to have this bubble and having someone there that can protect that bubble for you as well is really important I think mm. yeah
1: yeah mm. yeah I couldn't agree more I really feel like that is the number one thing, isn't it? That, Mm. you know, to really facilitate the most safest space to birth in and have a physiological birth, you need to work with the physiology of a birth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like the way you would make love, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Obviously, some want to have their mother there. You might not want to have your mother making love. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like you need to feel, you know, some people are not comfortable being naked. Uh, in yeah. front of their mother or sister or whoever or brother or dad or whatever, right? And mm. so who are you who are you fully safe to be fully raw with? Like be totally yeah. naked, allowing them to see everything, you mm. know, who are you happy to if you are one of those women who will maybe vomit or you know or poo, whatever. Mm. Like are you feel do you feel like the people you've chosen for your birth? you are happy to be that vulnerable in front of them. Yeah. And also powerful because it's-, it's the both thing, isn't it? You're yeah. also really powerful. So who can hold you in that power? Or will yeah. your, your mom be like, oh, you know, you're a little bit too loud there. You know, yes. <laughs> you don't want people yeah. who 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 you feel like you have to be smaller than or that you can't mm-hmm. fully be everything. Yeah.
0: You want someone exactly that's going to
1: meet you where you are and love you.
0: Like it's going to meet whatever energy you come into birth with and just meet you there and be like yeah fucking awesome you know <laughs> you yeah know, you want someone that's like just yeah gonna meet you there I, I'm I was so close to my mother and I did not want her at my birth and I knew mm. that she had a little birth trauma um she'd lost a baby and mm. she'd had very medicalized births and um had had a, actually a home birth birth at the end but I knew that she she would not make me feel safe and her own birth mm. stories would have brought fear. And no matter how much she wanted to hold me in my vision, I knew that seeing her baby birth would trigger those fears. Mm. Um, and as it worked out with Briar, with my first birth, um, her baby that she lost was Briar. So that's who my daughter's named after. Um, my mum was actually in Australia and she, my grandma had passed away while she was there at in New Zealand. And she was with us to be there for the birth and Briar kept being so overdue and my mum had a day and she had to leave that Wednesday morning. So she was in a plane while all the stuff was going on. And I know had she been informed of what the doctor had said and, and that I was refusing it, she would have been very triggered by the fear, but she was traveling. So like mm. the way the universe works for you, she was completely separated from it. And so mm. I could stay in my power with it. But if she'd been there, she would have been putting, yeah. And I, and I had, and so she was, she was never like, She was staying in my house, but she was never going to be at the birth. Um, and I'm incredibly enclosed with her, but it was just such yeah. a clear, I, I had to feel safe. And even with my first birth, I, just, I knew that, um, yeah, So, and it's not an offensive thing. Just, I no, feel like some people get really same. pressured to have
1: yeah.
0: their auntie or their, I don't yeah. know, sister-in-law or whoever at their birth. And it's, I don't know, it's such an intimate thing. Um, oh, so, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And I love that you say that that this is such pure wisdom here, because just as you said, people feel pressured or Mm. as you said, like you're really close to your mom. And if you're really close to your mom, like a part of you might want her there. And then you got up, but actually, if I really am honest, and this is what every woman needs to be when it comes to her Mm. birth, you know, it's really being super, super honest with yourself. Like what do you need and putting yourself first? And for many women, that is a hard thing to do, to actually yeah. put yourself mm-hmm. first, number one. Yeah. And, yeah. And and and, uh, yeah, and not care about other people's feelings yeah. or them getting hurt. Yeah. It doesn't matter. What matters mm-hmm. is that you, that you have a safe bath? Because actually, you know, as we know, Birth um most of the time goes super smoothly. But if you aren't feeling safe, then physiology will work against you. You might have mm-hmm. a longer labor, more painful labor, you might have a bleed, you might cause these things that you you know you you stress yourself because you're not in a safe environment. Whether you're home in birth center or hospital, doesn't matter. If you have people around you that doesn't make you feel safe, then maybe you're gonna have a less of an experience. yeah um, you know, birthing your baby. So it's mm. really important.
0: And I think that same advice goes for your postpartum, Mm. you know, protect that, protect it. Don't let anyone in that you feel like you have to look after or you have to behave in front of, or you have to be tidy or anything. If I only for Ruby's birth uh, postpartum, I only let people that made me feel just joyful and loved. Mm. And I only people come in who are going to look after me and my family for the first 40 days. Mm. And I was really, um, clear on that. And that meant some family I wasn't ready to see for a while. And, um, that was just what I needed to really heal and integrate. And oh, it was just the most healing divine time. And I came out of that time, I feel like it has healed lineages of stuff, you know, yeah. and physically and emotionally, spiritually, I just was was strong at the end of it, you know, and and I was nourished and had healed so much. And I was still, you know, and then as I stepped out of that, I was still so gentle and so protective of, my space because i'm now you know i am this baby's world now and i Mm -hmm. am i am helping her program her nervous system for life and her sense of safety in the world so i have to feel safe and Mm -hmm. i have to feel grounded and okay and it's not it's about you as a mom and it's about your baby and that's where you need to get ferocious about it because it it matters it matters so much and the difference when you just give your energy away and you let anyone in Mm -hmm. you're so open in these times like Mm. oh you're so vulnerable and open you need to be just nourished 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 and loved up Mm, yeah yeah, and
1: that's why there's so many traditions and cultural practices to Mm -hmm. you know protect the mother and baby because you are really vulnerable and that's been recognized throughout the ages it's just that our western medical society thinks that (laughs) oh no you know the postpartum you'll be all right we'll just check you for 15 minutes and you know you're you're alive the baby's alive all is good You know, it's totally missing that immense importance, and how, as you said, emotionally vulnerable mentally mm. influentially, you know, spiritually super open. Um, and obviously your body, physical bodies. Yeah, just
0: just just the body and the hormonal fluctuations yeah. alone. Yeah. Just like if it's just <laughs> like the most medical thing that like mm-hmm. most people can understand, Let mm-hmm. alone I need space. And then you add all the other layers of spiritual and emotional and lineage and yeah. these new beings. And then you know baby one, two, three, four, five, like your whole family is readjusting and being reborn. Like mm-hmm. right? and and it's not just this one moment in time when it happens and the baby emerges it's like a happening and we need to be holding families during this time mm. in such a different way in our society because mm. it's not just a medical event that's ticked off a box and you can go have <laughs> sex now six weeks and you're all good to go it's this incomplete rebirth and oh my goodness and when we hold families in that space the the healing and the oh you know just like to be held it's amazing it's These portals of time, where we can create great healing in the Mm. world, and we need to honor them.
1: Yeah, Mm. hundred percent. So agree Mm. with that. Oh, Mm. thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on the Natural Birth Podcast. (laughs) Thank you. It was really wonderful. (laughs) It's been an honor.
0: Mm.
1: Me too. Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, then please share it. grade it on iTunes and leave a comment. If you want to connect on social media, you can find me on Facebook as The Spiritual Midwife or on Instagram as The Underscore Spiritual Underscore Midwife. Thank you for listening.